Vai tava problēma ir tā, ka es sievieta? Mēs to atrisināsim. Mīrās dāmas un cilvēki. Es iet sveicināt podkāstā starp mums, meitenēm runājot ar Džēmu Sudravu. So this is a podcast recording um, and we are usually recording these podcasts uh, in Aleponi in Riga and we do recordings um, actually once a month usually and uh, we talk to different women or people who identify as women and we talk about kind of current things that are happening with women's rights and women's issues and kind of uh, are trying to, to bring in the women's perspective into many discussions that we are uh, having uh, today or in Latvia and then in Komet we realize that there's like so many women that you know we should bring into the conversation and uh, so we're going to try to do to do the podcast recordings also in English as well and uh, and yeah and our, our podcast actually is uh, is supported by by people who are listening to it we are on Patreon and we have almost 30 patrons who are supporting us so it's really kind of has been a great experience that you know we can actually sustain our at least technical living of the podcast uh, with the help of those who are listening um so my name is Gemma Sudraba and uh, and this is Brita Shave thank you for coming uh, Brita uh, so can you tell me how did you end up here in Kometa um, I ended up in Kometa because uh, Matthias, who I'm uh, here with, Adolfina Fack, um, yeah, was uh, doing music yesterday and uh, he told me about the, the festival and um, yeah, we figured out that my workshop like that I did yesterday, um, I did it already like one year ago uh, in another festival in Germany. And we had the feeling it would fit really well like uh, to this program. I think it's not working anymore. Yeah, ah, yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, he connected me to Lien. And uh, then, yeah, we, we met in Berlin. This was really nice because uh, uh, Lien was, was there for work. Uh, mm. And then we had a beer all together and spoke about the workshop and, and about the festival. And yeah, I had the feeling that it was really amazing festival and uh, so yeah it, it was nice to not only be the company but also to uh, contribute something to the festival yeah. yeah and what was kind of the outcome that you wanted to see after the workshop because it was about uh, mindfulness yeah it was about uh, mindfulness self-compassion um, and yeah, there's a, I, I read a book uh, about mindfulness, self-compassion, um, I don't know, one and a half years ago. And uh, as I work as a psychotherapist in Berlin, I also applied it into my work and I found it like really interesting uh, attitude. And so I yeah, wanted to speak about it and also yeah, give the people the ability to explore it a bit more in the mindfulness exercises. So um, yeah, maybe I can talk a bit about like what it what it uh, what I did in the workshop. Um, like, like the idea of mindfulness self compassion is um, that you like many of us have the tendency to push very hard on ourselves and and to expect from ourselves way more than we expect from others. And um, the idea is to uh, treat ourselves as kind as we treat other people. 
um, like um, like uh, of course with a good friend many times we can be forgiving and uh, like if something on on their work a presentation anything didn't go that well we we still see the person as a valuable person and with ourselves we are many times way more judgmental and I think it's, it's really unfair so the idea is also yeah to show vulnerability and yeah, so when you tell this, it makes sense, right? We should be as forgiving to ourselves as others. But then when something happens, although maybe in your mind, you know that, you know, it's not something important, you haven't really fucked up. But then you kind of go back to these situations or, you know, you, you struggle with like anger towards yourself or, or with shame. And although in your, with your brain, you understand that, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a stupid situation, you know, you have to move on. But then the night creeps on and you just, you know, you, it goes through your head again and again and again. Like, so how do you kind of go from knowing that you should not do this to not doing this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're completely right. Like, uh, just like um, the knowledge of, yeah, it should be like this uh, doesn't help that much. Um, I think, yeah, it's the, the feeling that is deep inside ourselves and it's also like uh, our capitalistic society that is not really helpful in being compassionate with yourself. Um, so and, and there um, the mindfulness comes into the game because uh, like by mindful like mindfulness means to to just perceive what there is like if, if there is any feeling like anger or shame whatever or, or uh, like some uncomfortable thought about yourself um, many people are like over involved with this like as you said like you're dwelling about this and you can't uh, yeah let it go and so mindfulness tries to go back to just perceiving yeah okay I'm, I'm having this uh, bad I'm, I'm having this thought so how and does it work is it like am I lying somewhere you know at night in my bed and I'm like thinking about this and accepting it um, yeah, like uh, you, um, like there are different ways. It, it can be like some formal meditation practice, like where you can lie in the bed uh, or sit somewhere and um, like let your thoughts run through your head in a way. And, um, and, and also like uh, you can imply mindful thoughts, uh, like at first perceiving, um, like like all thoughts that are there and then like um, implying mindful thoughts um, but I think that it's also possible to do it in an informal way like uh, as in a daily life uh, when when there like occurs some thought or in, if you're feeling in a, uh, in a bad way like taking a step back like just uh, perceiving I have this is how it is and then um, not not immediately trying to make this emotion go away, but recognizing, ah, yeah, I'm I'm vulnerable right now. I'm I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling ashamed, and um, and asking yourself what you need in this shitty state of mind. Like caring about yourself, like as you would do with a good friend. Like um, mm. for example, like not pushing hard and not trying to to do better, but like. Oh no, having a good food or something mm. like this. Mm. Yeah. Well, a typical thing that happens when shit like this hap happens is that you have a glass of wine or two 
but then I'm thinking that this wine medication, uh, especially for women, is something that you know. Even if you know you break your um, your shoes when you go to work at eight o'clock in the morning, and and your friends write to you on Facebook, okay, I think you need wine now, <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, we are are we overusing the, <laughs> the wine <laughs> meditation too much? Uh, and then I ca I actually. I read about this that that women actually sometimes consume more alcohol because they have the, these overwhelming responsibilities that they can't handle, and the only way how you can handle is with drinking. And mm -hmm. then sometimes I'm I feel guilty again about that as well mm -hmm. that you know I'm maybe drinking wine just because I can't handle the the, the stress of mm -hmm. going around. Right. Yeah, and I understand. And then, yeah, um, I I think like for the short time it works, like having a glass of wine. Then you're probably feeling more relaxed. And but yeah, I think the long term, uh, like there it has coast. And probably the next day you're thinking, wow, again I handled it with wine, and I should have treated myself better. So. Um, yeah, I think there again would come mindfulness uh, in an informal way into the game, like perceiving, wow, this is a situation where I'm, where I'm doing unwell, and um, like, what can I do now for myself that is, that really is beneficial for m for me, like in in the short and in the long term way, and I'm. I don't know. I think it's also fine to sometimes then ha decide to have a glass of wine, um, but yeah, maybe sometimes it's also not the right thing. And then, yeah, I, th I think. But for this, it's important to stay to take a step back, like because um, I think um, yeah, well, many times it doesn't like like we just don't want to feel all those feelings that are there, and like all the emotions they are like like we all have those negative emotions and then i think the question is also why is it so bad to feel uncomfortable like uh, i think we all need to embrace more that it's just normal to to be uncomfortable and like to have those emotional states of mind like we can't get rid of them mm. so uh, so if a person is an architect then when he or she goes into uh, an apartment, usually people ask, like, yeah, well, look at my apartment. Sh should I renovate something? Can you give me your opinion? So if you're a therapist, uh, if you go to a party, do you have people coming up to you with a glass of wine and like, I want to talk about my mother. I really hate her. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> people are doing this, but... Uh... And you, then you issue an invoice. Like, it was 12 <laughs> minutes of conversation. It's 65 euros, please. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay, that would be a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I actually like don't like this approach so much. Like with with my friends, definitely. Like I I love to talk about yeah all those therapeutic stuff and like we counsel each other and uh, speak about our emotions. Like that is really nice. But like yeah, strangers approaching you on a party, I don't like this too much. And also, I don't take. Uh, people that I know into therapy, <laughs> obviously, so yeah. Mm -hmm. And and if you are in a rela relationship, is the other person sometimes saying that you are doing a therapy on them that they haven't agreed on? Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, I, I am in a relationship and the person is in the public, so uh, 
we actually had a conversation. I, I think uh, I I asked about this like uh, some days or weeks ago, and no, my feeling is that we both like to uh, speak about all this emotional stuff and mm. self-discovery and whatever. So, no. Because <laughs> uh, uh, a friend of mine went to NLP courses, you know, neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah. And uh, and so. I really despise these courses. I think that they are uh, manipulative. They they teach a person not empathy, so they kind of learn the empathetic way, but from the other way around, from the manipulative state of mind, kind of, because you want to to get something from these people, not mm -hmm. that you want to help them. And uh, and well, his boyfriend said that you know you don't try these things on me, because <laughs> every Wednesday he goes to the course, and then he calls, they 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 meet at home. And he's always trying a new technique on his boyfriend because he just, you know, he really wants to use it somewhere. And uh, and I noticed also these, you know, sometimes a person finishes NLP courses and then there is uh, is uh, immediately strangely compassionate. Mm -hmm. How are you feeling today? And I'm like, oh, odd question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, so yeah. Uh, what did I want to ah so we, you talk about shame where does mm -hmm. shame come from where does shame come from um, yeah shame actually like um, let, I need to think about where shame <laughs> comes from um, yeah I, I think shame has to do with the with the fear of disconnection like uh, like we are like all those yeah emotions that make us feel unwell like uh, like shame and also anger like um, when we have them like we feel disconnected from other people and um, and with shame yeah I, I think the point is that like when we are shamed like we have the feeling like to got caught like wow somebody saw now that I'm actually like a bad person or that I'm actually not that smart and everything so we have the feeling that we get yeah discovered uh, and, and then we will get excluded then mm. like the people don't want to be with us anymore and so yeah shame and guilt like they are I think very strong emotions like uh, that people can suffer a lot from and mm. yeah mm -hmm. uh, like what what's a better met method uh, when you know when, for example you are feeling angry at your uh, let's say co-workers for treating you in a sexist way for example yeah that makes you angry uh, that makes you feel guilty that you're angry maybe so it kind of creates this vortex of really horrifying feelings and well you can be mindful about it and then you can try and uh, uh, and talk to that person so kind of tr try and change their attitude uh, what is uh, a more what is a less harmful way how to deal with this accepting how you feel and not doing anything about it or kind of showing your anger or discontent um i think anger always has to do with that Yes, our boundaries are not respected. Like uh, probably, like the the coworker didn't respect your personal boundaries, and so, um, yeah, maybe. Like I, I think, uh, if it's possible for you, then yeah, then it's good to mention this also. Like then it's good to share 
how you felt like was this not uh, yeah was this behavior and yeah for for me sometimes it's when I'm really angry then it's better to take a step back to reflect on yeah what I want to say or whatever because mm -hmm. uh, like when I'm really emotional then it's mixed with a lot of things and as you said mm -hmm. and um, yeah sometimes there are many emotions at the same time then mixed with guilt and everything so. Uh, if that's possible, but I feel that's really high art, then <laughs> it's good. Then it can be helpful, yeah, to take a step back and like uh, reflect on it. Uh, but yeah, I think like if somebody treated you in a bad way, then it's good that the other person knows so that it won't happen again. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think it's kind of the one of the great mysteries of life in, in finding situations where you had to wait a bit and not say anything and just you know wait it out and then you realize that it wasn't really worth your anger or fear or just you know even you know doing anything about it and then from the other side uh finding the right witty uh uh words or or phrases which to say when it's, it's really necessary because sometimes mm -hmm. a situation happens and then you know 20 minutes pass and you're like oh, i should have said that thing but it's too late and uh, I wish, like, if I could have a superpower, I would want that one, kind of to have the wittiest reply possible. But it's, it never happens, I don't know. It just comes up later on. Yeah, for me, it's absolutely the same. Yeah, yeah, and, and then, yeah, in a situation where you don't see the person again, like, then, yeah, you just can't do anything about it. But maybe then it's also, then, then you at least know the, the, what you would have liked to said, and maybe the next, at the next time you would say mm -hmm. it then. Um, and yeah, like with one friend of mine, like we are a lot, uh, yeah, over talking again, like uh, also situations that happened before and how we felt there with each other. And, and I have the feeling that's really helpful. I also like when other people tell me, yeah, I didn't feel that good with you in that situation because yeah, then we can, it also tells me, it tells me a lot about myself and then we can figure out what this has been and la la la. Mm -hmm. So you are also doing queer therapy? Yeah. What does that mean? Um, yeah, okay, queer therapy sounds a bit strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's not actually queer therapy. <laughs> um, it's like I work a lot with people from the queer community yeah. and um, I'm, uh, um, I'm also like, how do you say, um, like for, for trans people who are doing the mm. transition, like they need, I don't know how it's here, but like in Germany they need, um, they need therapy like uh, to, to get uh, the hormones and mm -hmm. afterwards operation and everything and I'm doing this I would say it's Begleittherapy in German, like um, accompanying them, uh -huh. like in this process. Uh, yeah, and um, actually, yeah, it, it's really new to me because uh, I, I got uh, independent, uh, like opened my own thing, like some months ago, like in May, actually. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really really happy about this, and I. Um, yeah, because like um, I'm, I'm there in a practice uh, with with another person who, who works a lot with with people from the queer community, and via her, I I get so nice clients, and mm. it was uh, like 
last year I I decided that I would love to to work to focus more in my therapeutic work and and that I would really like to work with with people from the queer community like um, yeah and with trans issues and and so yeah it was really nice to now yeah that I decided doing it that yeah all those nice people are coming and I have the feeling like my therapeutic work changed a lot through mm -hmm. this and um, is yeah. it possible that the person comes into therapy and decides that he or she doesn't want to transition? That he or she doesn't want to, yeah. like during the therapeutic yes. process? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Like, I like I see my role like really just like with with trans people just as an accompanier. I don't know if it's the correct yeah. word in English, but. Um, yeah, just being there with the person and figuring out how everything feels, like until which steps a person wants to go, whether it's taking hormones, whether it's even an operation, or whether it's while taking hormones, uh, deciding, no, now I, I don't uh, want to do this anymore, and, <coughs> and stuff like this. So, um, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, it could also happen that somebody would say, "No, actually, I don't. I don't want to continue with this. I don't see anymore that, uh, yeah, being trans is a concept for me." Yeah, actually, I'm. As I started recently, like in in May, uh, I'm still in the starting process of all the therapies, so it didn't happen yet. But I'm open to everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think, you know, this is one of the great things about maybe Germany or, or Berlin is that, you know, there are these many opportunities for, for people kind of to find out things about themselves, who they are and how they want to live their lives. Because, for example, here in Latvia, what, for example, if you're a part of LGBTQIA community or if you, for example, want to uh, divorce your husband, then you have to be really careful with the psychotherapist that you're choosing. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I realized just recently that, you know, you might go to uh, a therapist who is really pushing you to um, to stay with your husband because it's very important for children. You will traumatize your children if you are going to, to be divorced. And is it really so bad? And, uh, and you know, all the marriages have their, these problems. And, you know, sometimes people cheat cheat on you but you know the the main you know main thing that you have to uh, survive through is the marriage for the children and uh, you might go and, and see a therapist like this and he will just really fuck you up right and uh, or maybe he will save a marriage like I don't really think so but well that's also possible and uh, and also if you're gay you, you might go to a therapist who is all the time asking questions like Let's talk about your mother and your relationship with your mother, because probably mother is the one who is guilty that you are gay, and uh, and you know, because well, we then we never ask these questions to heterosexual people. Like, how did it happen? Like, what happened to your relationship with your father that you are not gay? Mm -hmm. And uh, and and I think that this is the the scary part actually. That um, and we had this conversation with uh, our uh, LGBT. Uh, 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 association mosaic as uh, uh, one person from there that you know we need a list with safe psychotherapists 
who you can go to, right? Because mm -hmm. you don't want to get into a reversive therapy or something like that. Yeah, and in, in Germany, also in Berlin, there are also existing those lists. Like, actually, I also, like, living in Berlin, like, I have the feeling I'm there in a, in a bubble that is, like, really open-minded, queer-sensitive and everything. And so sometimes I, yeah, it's sometimes uh, I, I don't see that there are also in Berlin those many other people. And, uh, yeah, there are mosquitoes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, to me it also happened that their uh, clients and patients uh, approached me and told me about their horrible ex experiences with, with a therapist uh, who saw his goal in, like, letting the trans person discover that, uh, yeah, she has a mental in illness mm -hmm. and is not uh, trans and, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's really so horrible that that there are still those therapists like they should be forbidden but like in in berlin there are also and also a lot of clinics where people are really not not, not treated well and ha uh, like this the the processes of transitioning are so much like delayed for those mm. people because um if you don't know about this and you can be stuck in in a, in a therapeutic process like this for two or three years, nothing happens to you because the, the therapist doesn't write you the necessary papers. And then, um, and then it also happens that the insurance company afterwards complains because the insurance company then says, yeah, but you already did a therapy and now you, after 80 sessions there, you, you can't get any more therapy. And mm. then you have to fight again for like getting the therapy that you need at the therapist that you need. So it's, yeah. Also, there, there are many problems like this. But there was this uh, story about how, uh, how the American Psychotherapist Association uh, at one point decided that being gay is not a sickness, right? Uh, it's not, a not, not really a disease, but uh, that, you know, these are healthy people. That uh, at one point, uh, closeted gays overtook the association's board and then well it's a true story it does mm -hmm. like it's, it's kind of an inspirational <laughs> gay uh, lgbt history uh, uh, lesson uh, and um, many of them were closeted some of them weren't and then they were using like uh, real-time examples and then there was this guy who, who was wearing a mask and actually he was a therapist and he went uh, in to kind of tell his story and uh, and so they they uh, they shifted the attitude, and uh, and it seems that there's like there is a need for another shift as well right now because um, I think that there is a division in between psychotherapists on like how how should the trans issue or I don't know situation mm -hmm. be solved or looked at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so you mean that, that there needs to be a shift in, in, well, in the therapeutic yeah. approach? But yeah. you're, probably, you're probably having discussions in your conferences and stuff, right, about this? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not, like about how, how bad it still is the situation, or what do you well, mean? I'm not sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, well, so probably there's a lot of therapists who think that, you know, uh, it's an illness that has to be treated, yeah. Uh, and uh, maybe it's uh, it's a physical illness, maybe it's a mental illness, 
and then there are those who are helping people to transition yeah. uh, but I don't think that there's like an overall um, universal view on how this has to be treated mm -hmm. yeah that, that's definitely true and I, I definitely think uh, yeah that that this needs to change and that uh, yeah I think the visibility of uh, yeah trans and queer people should like, like, as you, like, um, I went to a lot of psychotherapeutic seminars and, like, also, like, for example, if there's um, talked about sexual therapy, it's never about uh, lesbians, gays, uh, trans mm -hmm. people. And, and so I, I think it, it should be more incorporated in all, yeah, in, in all um, spectrums of, of therapy and... Uh, I was uh, when I decided that I want to work with that I want to work more with queer people. I was looking for seminars on like like the all the legal issues about transitioning and everything because I read a book about it, but like still very complex. Mm. And um, yeah, there, um, I, I found one in Hamburg, but that was also like. Um, part of like a whole seminar program and and then only like one day about uh, queer people which I found like really not a lot and uh, yeah my colleague uh, like who I'm working with now she does those uh, workshops seminars in, in Berlin which is really good and I think like there need to be um, more of those things yeah, that are helped by people with a, with a good attitude, because mm. like there, yeah, those those two sides in a way, mm. yeah. Mm. And so, if someone has a friend who is thinking about transitioning, uh, or you know, really does knows and feels that doesn't fit into the binary, uh, how we should talk to that person? And what questions should we ask or I don't know like mm -hmm. how to deal with it if you're a friend and you don't want to ask the wrong questions or speak about mm -hmm. the wrong things yeah because it's a very you know it's a very uh, it's a very tricky situation because sometimes I also say something and a friend of mine says well this was actually transphobic and uh, I did, didn't realize that sometimes things that I'm saying are not very sensitive right yeah. you when when you don't know how the community is feeling or you know how you know how they're treated or what issues that they're dealing with then it's really easy to be unsensitive yeah that that's definitely true but like my approach um if i if i get to know a new person also in a therapeutic context i always tell the person okay if there's anything um like wh what i uh, what i said to you what i asked where you felt uncomfortable with like just tell me and uh, and i have the feeling like when you're telling this a person in the beginning then you are then there's a space to ask a lot of things mm -hmm. and i i have the feeling better to ask one one question that may be a bit uncomfortable than like to not ask out of the fear that it could be wrong like mm -hmm. um yeah I, I think it would like like the other person can help you then you can uh, tell your friend okay um, if there's something that you don't want to talk about, just just tell me, like with any other topic. Mm. 
because I think it's really important for people to kind of fit people into like boxes, like this is a woman, this is a man, well, this is heterosexual, this is a gay guy, this is a lesbian. And it's really kind of, it compartmentalizes things in your brain and then, you know, you feel safer. And whenever someone doesn't fit into these boxes, then it makes you feel uncomfortable. And, uh, and I've been thinking a lot about like, I have the kind of an urge actually sometimes to ask a person if like, how do you identify as a woman or as a man or are, are you gay or you're not really gay? Like what's happening here? And, but I know that I should not be asking these questions. It's none of my business, but it's really, really like, it's really hard. Like, mm -hmm. um, and can you, can you comment a bit on this, you know, or urge to put people into boxes? Is it like a natural thing or is it like more a cultural thing that we just, you know, we do it because, you know, it's just a normal societal uh, thing to do? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think uh, it, it's really a natural thing. It's something that, that we are born with in a way because it uh, facilitates our perception. Like if we, like, uh, there are so many visual stimuli uh, in our environment. So like then we see a person and then we categorize, oh, yeah, it's, it's a woman and probably heterosexual and everything that makes it in a way easier for us. Mm. So yeah, to everybody of us, this happens. Like, um, yeah, to me, to me, it, it also happens very much in therapy that like uh, during the first conversation, like uh, I, wow. That's really <laughs> Sorry, the it's mosquitoes. Still, it, it's still there. Yeah, it's, why? It's haunting. Like I should wait, have wait, wait. Oh, you just have to kill it. Mm. Oh. That's wow. Okay, wait. Okay. Sit. You Sorry. got it? Yes. Oh, thank you. Well, there's <laughs> another one, but you're safe for a while. Did you use? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. N normally they Do you are. Have it? Sorry. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> I sprayed on a mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> it's very toxic. Yeah. So, uh, where have we been? About uh, uh, perception. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, like uh, we we all do, uh, and I wanted to. Uh, yeah, for me, it, it also happened like uh, some weeks ago, where some uh, women who who were like a lot of makeup, and and she like in my perception, she looked like really like as a typical heterosexual person, and then she came with a with a super different story, and uh, like I was surprised myself how much I have put her in this box. Like, because mm. I, I saw her in the waiting room and I was thinking like, hmm, actually why does this woman come? Like, why did she choose to come here? Because like really, like all who came to the first sessions were from the queer community. And yeah. so I was wondering, hmm, yeah, what is her approach? And then like I got surprised by my own like a uh, stereotypic uh, categorization, yeah. Um, and yeah, with what you said, like uh, how people identify, like to, to ask questions about this, like um, 
I uh, always uh, also ask them in the first encounter, or actually I have a like like paper where they fill in how the names and everything, and there I have a category of pronoma. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it's Pro the pronouns. Pronouns, yeah. yeah. Like which pronouns they would like to to use, like whether they would like to be addressed as she or he or whatever. Do you have in German the they? No, that's that's a problem so in German. So how do you do it? Um, yeah, where there we have Z and er, like yeah. it's really binary there. And so yeah, I, I asked the person how would you like to be addressed and. Um, some like even being binary like have a favorite and then I address them with with a favorite one or there are also some who say doesn't matter like however you want and then I shift like yeah. then sometimes I use air sometimes Z. Um, yeah but it's actually shitty that in German there is no thing for for in between because so, people so told me they feel really uncomfortable with always then being again confronted mm. with mm. with identity yeah so but you haven't come up in german language with something new like zier or uh, not that i know actually no um like some people also say that that they would like to use the they in in mm -hmm. german but still that's also not very fluent like because then you're having German language and then some English word in between so mm -hmm. yeah yeah maybe for some people this feels more comfortable but I think it's still some sort of compromise like actually we would still need a new word mm. uh, well I think it's it's overall a very interesting discussion about like the language how it kind of uh, kind of makes a decision uh, beforehand like how you can kind of uh, talk to other people and uh, and it puts on limitations and, and Latvian language also has a limitation so we can say it but then I think it's it's a bit demeaning it has like an uh, not a nice connotation because it, you know when so it's it's not the nicest way how to say about a person who is not fitting in into she or he mm -hmm. kind of uh, um, I don't know um, uh, box uh, but, for example, in Estonian language, which is not kind of connected to the Latvian language, although the countries are uh, nearby, uh, they they have this option kind of to, to, to making a choice. And uh, so it's, I think it's very interesting that how uh, sometimes a language can include different people and then sometimes it, it, it doesn't. And you even can't come up so easily with like solutions, right? And because, um, well, we were sometimes thinking and talking about the feminist. So is it a, a, a feminist woman is a feminist and a feminist man is a feminist. But then how can we kind of conjoin both of them? And then it should be maybe feministo mm -hmm. or something like that. But it's awkward because it's not something that really comes in natural. Yeah. And um, definitely like, um, I don't know actually how it's in, in other language with the star. Like, do you use it in uh, in, in your language? Like, we have um, like like to un like to include both genders. Uh -huh. Like, we use um, uh, like uh, um, how do you say like patient sternchen innen. Like, uh -huh. and, and then if if I would would say the wor word, I would um, make some space in between. Uh -huh. Like, uh, the normal female word word is 
Patientinnen and mm -hmm. then I would say Patientinnen to include ah. the, the male person and the yeah. female and the like the star is for the like everybody in between. Yeah. So but yeah I'm I'm doing this but still it's yeah you're having the space in between it's not super perfect actually like it no. would be nicer if there would be like like a word where you don't uh, wouldn't have to do the space always yeah so well in Latvian language actually usually if you want to say something gender neutral you just use the uh, the um, uh, the masculine t term so it's you know, humans and uh, patient and uh, yeah, well, I can't even can, can translate it into English anyway. But um. yeah, and and that's actually, but then not gender neutral anymore. No. Like like in, in in Germany, you're also like um, it's it's normally it's always mentioned only the male version, and then uh, sometimes when I'm using the the female version, like um, you are getting asked like. Oh, you only treat a uh, woman as a patient, like because you said patientin, and that's like then you only have women, uh, and like. But if I would say patient, nobody would uh, would yeah. would ask about this, and so that's that's super strange. Like it confuses people if you're using the female mm. form. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, so well, Marta, is is there anything we should have discussed? No, it's okay. Does anyone want to ask a question, or is it is there something that we should have talked about? Okay, more or less, no. Yes, no. Okay. And uh, is there is there an example of how you have recently fucked up that you can share with us? Let me think. Definitely, there is one, but uh, <laughs> I will think about it. Like, uh, it, it's not something that is now a real super shame story, but uh, actually, like, the, yeah, the, the most recent thing is, like, actually the beginning of the last week. It was, like, uh, we already, because we had to get the car to come here, we had, had to start our trip on, on Tuesday, and I squeezed all my patients into Monday and, and Tuesday, and I was super stressed. Like, I really wasn't with myself and uh, yeah they there like I, I had this one session where like like uh, you know I was only in in the reaction mood I wasn't with myself and and like I really uh, yeah wasn't able to like because normally the expectation of myself is like when this happens to be able to share it with a person and because so the other person won't get the feeling like it's his or her thing and there I was like just like couldn't get and uh, give the other person any comfort i was so busy with myself <laughs> and afterwards i yeah so much judged myself because i had the feeling like pff, uh yeah i don't know you you can't be uh, like the one the one being vulnerable like if there's somebody searching for help and uh yeah so so you had to leave your kind of your real life struggles outside of the office um, or try at least you, you mean whether that would be my goal um, yeah 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 definitely like afterwards I, I thought like I really need to before going there like 
take some time for myself and everything. And um, yeah, I, I think what there went wrong was that I, I was was that bad with myself that I couldn't share uh, how I how I feel. And so I, I think um, this goes back then again to self-compassion. I think mm. it's also as a therapist, obviously, I'm not always uh, doing it well. So. Uh, yeah, m my goal is then when this happens to, yeah, show the other person like, whoa, I did a mistake and da da. Or last session I said this, and I'm actually reconsidered it. I think it wasn't uh, that well. Um, Cause also like, uh, yeah, I, I think it's also important that a therapist is imperfect. Cause like mm. people are coming with their topics and uh, like all their worries about themselves and like I think. Like I only want to share my stuff with a person that is also vulnerable and has their issues, because like otherwise I feel really bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing this, and and thank you for being here, Britta. Um, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so maybe a round of applause for Britta. <laughs>